Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host, and today we are talking about family. And to be technical, we always talk about family, but today specifically, uh, we're talking about how to prepare your family for your family. And however you read that, (laughs) yes, that's what we're talking about today. So whether you hear that and think how to prepare your nuclear family for your extended family or how to prepare your extended family for your nuclear family, uh, that's what we're going to cover today. And what we thought might be helpful is uh, just to have a conversation about uh, sort of the overview of of how we make decisions for our families, uh, especially as it pertains to the holidays and um, time spent with um, people other than our core nuclear families, and then maybe uh, a simple guide um, of just a, some some things to watch out for, some things to think about, some ideas for what to do beforehand, uh, during, and after a family visiting occasion. So, uh, obviously, and, and you'll hear us mention this in the show. It, it's 2020. There's a global pandemic. The CDC has advised against family gatherings, um, or, or or advised against travel to. Uh, to family gatherings just like they did for Thanksgiving. And so for a lot of us, uh, we won't be seeing family this year for the first time, maybe ever. And, and maybe there's some work that you've got to do to grieve that and to process through that. Uh, that might be extremely hard for some kids in your family uh, or for all kids in your family or for all of you. Um, and for, for others of you, uh, you are wishing that you were not going to be able <laughs> to see your family. Um, maybe you're quarantining with your family. Maybe your family is in your safe pot of people. Uh, whatever your case, we got you covered today. So we're going to talk through uh, all those things and more today uh, with Jesse Ferris, uh, ETC parent trainer, who I, I guess is becoming our ETC holiday guru, <laughs> and uh, Mo and Tana Ottinger, um, who head up ETC. So uh, please do enjoy. Enjoy this holiday episode of How to Prepare Your Family for Your Family now. All right, guys, we made it to the holidays. It is holiday season 2020, uh, and the holidays for a lot of us are is a stressful time, anyways. We've got, um, you know, exceeding extended family, the pressure of getting perfect gifts or not getting, um, not being extra with the gifts we get or uh, any of the different things that might come up related to the holidays um, creates an already uh, stressful situation. When you add in a global pandemic <laughs> and uh, the the travel restrictions that are there from the CDC, where the CDC is saying this year, please don't uh, travel to help prevent the spread. And you've got, uh, you know, some of you wish that you weren't going to be seeing family, but they're in your pod. And so you're stuck with them. Uh, Some of you are, um, for the first time, not going to be with family at the holidays. And that's an incredibly hard thing for you. And so uh, we we come into this episode today knowing uh, that there's a little bit of everything for everybody uh, going on. And um, the one thing that this season is not this year is easy to navigate with kids. And so uh, we do think that there are some ways that you can uh, really strategically and effectively navigate this season in a way that sets your family up for success. 
And so uh, the reason that we uh, wanted to title this episode, Preparing Your Family uh, for Your Family, is because uh, some of us need to prepare our extended family to be with our nuclear family. Some of us need to prepare our nuclear family for our extended family. Uh, And so whether you're going to be with your family via Zoom, whether you're going to be missing your family for the first time in a long time, whether you are quarantining with your family, and uh, you guys are about to have lots of time together, this episode seemed like a timely one uh, to put in here. So we're going to talk today about uh, just all of those different facets. And uh, so we'll start by asking Mo and Tana. Mo and Tana, what, let's let's hear some initial thoughts on um, how you prepare your family for your family at the holidays. Um, thank you, JD, for having us. Um, I, as we talked about this particular episode, it did feel incredibly timely for us to sort of jump into this topic and and talk about it, even in the midst of, you know, like you said at the introduction, the fact that we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And so I think as we begin the conversation, talking about why we do what we do is probably a really good place for us to start. And so thinking about the decisions that we make all the time with extended family, um, thinking about the decisions that we make at the holidays, and then if you layer in some of the extra, as you kind of hinted to, reality that we're all facing right now, there's just a lot at play when it comes to making decisions for our families. And, you know, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when, when we're thinking about, like, we have a lot, lot of people in our family. Um, in our home live nine people. And that means that there's a lot of different needs and personalities and desires and hopes. Expectations. Um, tons of expectations from all of us. Yeah. And then you add in, you know, I am, I love the holidays and I have, a desire to really set those apart as a sweet time. And I love being with our family. So how do we manage all of that? And so there's a lot of different pieces in play. So I think it would be interesting for us to even start the conversation around some, I don't want to say guidelines, but maybe some principles that we could be thinking about in terms of how we make decisions um, with all of those different facets in play. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse, thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I was thinking a lot about just even the decision of why we're going to do what we're going to do or um, how to decide. A lot of us get really stuck kind of in this loop doing, we do the same thing every year and we're not really sure why we do it. We complain about it the whole time we do it or, you know, maybe dread it or maybe we love it. It's, it's different for every family and every, probably every person within that family. Um, but I know that it can just be helpful to stand back from that decision and think, why am I going to do what I'm choosing to do for the holiday and truly make it a choice? Are you doing it because it's life-giving? It's a favorite family tradition. It's something that your family uh, really thrives and enjoys to make this choice on how you're going to spend the holiday? Or is it more driven by kind of expectations that are put on you externally or um, uh, stress that you're trying to avoid or drama that you're trying to avoid by just keeping everyone happy and not mad at you? Um, Because I think there is a giant difference 
and doing something because you're internally motivated within your family versus externally motivated. And um, so it can be really helpful to just talk about that with your partner, talk about it with your family, even if your kids are old enough and um, come up with a decision. I know, you know, there, there have been times that we made different choices for different reasons. And um, I, I think the driving force behind all of those choices was what do we want? You know, what do we want this holiday to look like and feel like and be like for our family unit? And um, I think everyone would agree that, you know, we want to honor our families and we want to enjoy our families and we want to um, connect with our families. And so how best can you do that? Um, And for those of us staying home, um, maybe for the first time or uh, not by you know, because of external reasons in the health world, um, how are some ways that you can kind of um, capture some of those reasons you would have traveled and create them from your home this year? So I think just thinking of the why behind all of that can be really helpful to us as we think about what we will plan to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's great. Well, so we, as we kind of established the overview of this whole situation. Let, let's talk about some practicalities of before we're together with family, uh, during and after. Um, and so before we get together, um, each of you have mentioned kind of prior communication, whether it's with your nuclear family, with your extended family, you know, how it needs to look. Have there been some keys that you guys have found in the preparing for the holiday season that have, uh, that have helped a lot? Well, I, I mean, I think First and foremost, you, you need to realize you got to step into this being proactive. Like it just, it's not just going to happen. You're, you're not just going to show up and voila, there it is. I mean, you're going to, you know, I think we've all, it's already been said and that we're going to, we're going to need to think through um, time with family. What is, what do our kids need? Um what what needs to be communicated to extended family? What do we need, you know, for Tana and I, what do we need, how do we need to get on the same page? Um, you know, and, and just make sure that we are we are stepping into this season with a plan and, and realize, you know, we may have to deviate and flex and all, you know, that's kind of the, the mm-hmm. word for 2020, right? Is pivot. <laughs> um, but we're going to, we're going to have to be proactive. We're going to have to set up our, our kids for success the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just means being proactive. Yeah. I mean, to, to piggyback on that, um, I think that communication. So if we're thinking about preparing our family for our family, right? The two different parts of that, that is our nuclear family and our extended family. And so before you're together, I think there's different things you need to do on both sides of that coin. So internally, the nuclear family, there needs to be some communication and quite possibly some practicing outside the moment, which is a good something that we do talk about a good part of about a power to connect is practicing outside the moment. So we can talk about like some really logistical things of like what that can mean, depending on how old your kids are. Um, and then I think it also is about, you know, making the phone call and just saying, Hey, we are so excited to spend 
you know, Christmas afternoon with you guys. And thank you so much for having us. And we can't wait to be there. And we just wanted to talk about what are you guys thinking in terms of a schedule or what do you have in mind or what are you hoping will happen? I mean, that's typically how I kind of approach an expectations conversation is when you think about that day, what do you hope we do? What do you, what are you looking for? to. And you can have those conversations with extended family as well. And then what it keeps us from doing is making assumptions. And when you make assumptions, it just isn't helpful for really anybody in the equation, because you could assume that, you know, your extended family wants the day to go one way and they may have a completely different desire and hope. And it also, I think, sometimes helps crystallize for the extended family that gives them an opportunity to even think about what they want if they haven't. And so we, as the parents of our children can sort of say, okay, the extended family is hoping ABC can happen. Then we can come back together and Mo and I can talk about, okay, are those hopes reasonable? Like, can we meet their expectations? Yes or no. And if we can, what are we going to be asking of ourselves and our kids? You know, then, so I almost think about it like there's three different buckets. There's the extended families, what they want. There's what Mo and I personally want as a as yeah. partners. And then there's what our kids want. And I think, maybe Mo, you said it while ago, I think need maybe is even a better word I should be using. What do we need? Because needs are valid. And so hopes are our kind of needs. We could talk about that in a different episode, but then how can we find a plan that prayerfully, if the stars align, can make all of us somewhat happy? Um, And that's going to take a good bit of compromise. And so this is where we get to start talking about compromises for everybody. Um, I think it's often like we gather that intel from the extended family. We have a couple of conversations about it. We're probably gathering some information from the kids. Then we communicate backstream again. It's like, all right, here's what we're thinking we can make happen. It's about, you know, a lot of communication. Well, and I think that's when you start to have to evaluate, you know, who who can handle how much, right? So like you might have a situation that you know, the itinerary for the day is given to you and you're like, well, that works for four sixths of us or that works for, you know, these kids, but not that, not those kids. This works for us, but not them. And so then, you know, it gives you a chance to, like you said, compromise, but to go back and communicate. And that's, that's where you've as a parent got to know where, how many people are in your inner loop, how many people get to know information that is pertinent to everybody, because there might be a very specific, very valid reason why this segment of the day won't work for your family, but you are not going to share that information with that wide of a group of people. And so you might have to share, you know, just with mom or just with, you know, the brother or sister, hey, just so you know, this is our situation. So we're not going to have everyone there for that moment. I don't want you to think we're trying to be rude or trying to exclude, you know, you guys from the situation. Not all of us can handle that. So when it comes up, here's here's how we're going to handle it. Just help us with making that smooth, right? Um, I, for us personally, I think that's, that's helped us to build, um, tr- you know, obviously everybody wants to be, you think of meet the parents, like everybody wants to be in the trust circle, right? And so, you know, as you bring people in to that, that can be a really empowering thing for them. And so like, I know for, for us, it has been a really empowering thing to say, 
hey, just, just so you know, to communicate ahead of time is always appreciated. And when we communicate the reasons behind um, us participating or not participating, it goes way better than if in the moment, like, all right, here we go. It's time for such and such. And my wife and I look at each other and we go, Mm-mm. no, it's not. <laughs> it's not for us. Well, then it can create a rift and feelings get hurt. And again, you've got the pressure cooker of everyone staying in the same house a lot of times in that situation. So, you know, they, I think that it's a, it's a really, really important time to pre-communicate. That's why hopefully you're listening to this, you know, before <laughs> on the front end of your time together with the family this year. Um, and you can have those conversations. I think something I mean, I- really important to remember is um, when we talk about this a lot in ETC, you can, you can invest now or you can pay later. And yeah. that's what these conversations are essentially is it sounds hard. And probably a lot of us hearing the podcast are thinking, ah, that just doesn't sound really fun. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to have that conversation with my family. Um, but you can invest in that conversation now and have that difficult conversation, or you might end up having that difficult conversation later. And so which terms do you want it to be on as a reaction or proactively? And I think sometimes that involves drawing some boundaries along with negotiating. And that can be really hard because we have to hold the disappointment of others and, and still hold that boundary for our family. Um, that's really difficult, but I think that it serves everyone better in the long run because it's loving. It's loving to communicate boundaries. It's loving to, um, it to hold them for, for the people that need them. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it's worth the investment. Mm-hmm. Well, totally. And if you're, if you get to prepare for that conversation and go into that conversation with your notes or after meditating or praying or whatever you do to kind of set yourself at peace, it's infinitely better than when you get sneak attacked to that conversation in the moment later and emotions can run wild and all of a sudden you're saying things you didn't mean to say when what it's really about is those boundaries and the kids. And so like you were saying, Jesse, I think that is a, a great piece. Like you, if you have the conversation now, it ultimately costs you less than it does down the road and you get a bigger return out of it. And I think it's done with connection and love too. I mean, just like sure. anything that we talk about in ETC, if you were going to talk to your child about a boundary in your home, you would connect with them first, right? And so that's the same thing we're doing, even in adult relationships. We're establishing that connection. We're, we're having connecting um, language and connecting conversation and, and uh, using that as a bridge to why we're deciding what we decide. Yeah. Well, Jenny, I mean, JD, and even you saying having it before, not like we're practicing outside the moment, right? Like we're going to have that at a time instead of in the meltdown or in the struggle in the middle of the kitchen yeah. with all the way around. Mm-hmm. And so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when we think about being proactive, so, or, you know, if you, let's say you you gather the expectations of, of all the moving pieces and you're coming to a moment when it's time to compromise, um, I think that's when, I mean, we probably do need to pivot in just a minute and say, well, what if you figure out you can't go be with family for any number of reasons, if they aren't, you know, emotionally safe or, you know, that's a very important thing that I do think on this episode, we need to like spend a minute and talk about what if that's the case. But let's just say that there is some ability to compromise and negotiate with extended family and you do feel like you can be together and it can be, you know, somewhat um, 
beneficial and good for everybody, that you can come to some points of compromise. Then I think it's time to start doing some practice outside the moments with your kids. Um, it Then that's that second phone call back to extended family and say, okay, thank you so much for telling us what you're thinking. We've kind of talked and here's maybe one or two things that would be helpful for us and communicate to them, hey, we're going to bring X, Y, and Z to the menu because that's something we know our kids will eat. Yeah. Can we have a spot in which room where if so-and-so kid needs a few minutes to be calm and quiet and pull away, they know where they can go? Hey, can, you know, there's a million things that, that we might decide our family needs to be successful in that setting. And again, it's about being the advocate for your child and communicating those needs. I don't even think you always have to say why. I don't think a why is always even necessary. I think just communicating as the the authority on your child that that's something that they need and that you just step into that space in your strength of like, um, one of the things that we did early on is we stopped expecting all of our kids to sit at the, at the meal table for the whole time because it, it was asking something of them that they were biologically incapable of doing for any number of reasons. And I didn't even, I don't even need to tell y'all what the reasons are. And I didn't need to tell anybody else. They just wasn't something we were going to ask of them. And so to say to the family, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask all the kids to come to the table when it's time to say the blessing and, you know, eat the appetizer. And they're going to be excused for the next 30 minutes and we'll pull them back at dessert time and for games. Like just, and even communicating that before anybody sits down. And so if they last longer at the table, great. And if they you know, that's been communicated. Mm-hmm. So the kid knows what's expected. You know, the rest of the family knows what's expected. And, you know, you're the boss of your kids. So I just say move into those places as um, the advocate for your children without even needing to make a lot of excuses mm-hmm. or explaining. I know that is harder to do. We have been parenting 20 years. I am not saying that's easy. That is a really, really difficult thing, especially in those early years of parenting, to find your strength. But your kids need mom and dad to speak in a way that protects them and is an advocate for them. They need you to do that. So if you're going to ask them to be in large family settings for extended periods of time, don't ask them to do something that they cannot do. You're setting them up to fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's perfectly right. So I think let's, let's go into this, into an extended part of this conversation. So uh, a lot of us are going to family situations and we're bringing some, whether it's, you know, I was talking to Tom Jordy yesterday and uh, one of our ATC trainers in South Africa. And he mentioned, he was like, you know, we, he's like, I, I have some sensory processing stuff when it comes to Christmas too, like all the lights and noise, it gets to me. And he's like, so I, you know, but he's like, I, I know I'm an adult. I can, I can go regulate when I need to. He's and so we were talking about uh, the need that um, at sometimes family gatherings, you proactively build time into that schedule where your kids don't even have to know why you're doing it, but hey, guess what? After dinner, we're going to go on a walk around around the neighborhood. We're going to go um, and chill. And remember that movie we've been wanting to watch? We're going to go sit and watch that movie in a dark, calm room after this is over. So why don't we talk about kind of how to prepare for um, 
it needs that your family might have uniquely that are not going to be represented at the family gathering? And are there some ways that we can do that, that, um, that, you know, that, that can help set it up when it's outside of the, your, your normal space? I'm thinking of two things. I loved that Tana brought up meals because that can be a big one. Um, another is just kind of how families prefer to spend time. You know, some families really like to stay busy and, you know, that might look a little different this year. Um, but maybe your kid doesn't like playing a lot of games or doesn't do well when they lose a game. What are some things that, that you can do to prepare for that situation in advance? Um, I know, you know, in non-COVID times, if you're listening to this in a, in the future, then, uh, Hey, tell, you know, anyways, I, um, I think if you're, <laughs> we're if you're excited to get there. And, I know, I can't <laughs> wait to be there with you. Um, <laughs> but if, if you're out busy going to a lot of places and it's very busy and you've got kind of that holiday crowd around your kids, not every kid does well with that kind of, um, overwhelm. And so what are some things that you could pack to bring along? You know, does your kid, would your kid enjoy walking through that aquarium or walking through the big crowded whatever with some headphones and their favorite music or um, something noise canceling or uh, some sunglasses or um, something that kind of, that, that allows them to be able to participate with you but, um, you know, do you want to bring along a weighted vest or a weighted blanket for the car, for that long car ride? Um, just some things like that for, um, for those busy times uh, and families that like to spend their time in that way. And then there's also families that have a lot of downtime and maybe it's really not structured at all. And it's just like, well, we're just going to hang out and we'll eat all day. And, and some of our kids do not do well with that lack of structure. So what are some things that you can bring from home that help that kid? And I'm even thinking specifically, um, as we talk about the importance of managing transitions and the importance of structure and predictability for our kids. Um, we, I, I've, we, I talk about this in our, when we train during our courses, but we take those little dollar store photo books and we put in for each morning, afternoon, and evening what the plans are for that day. And if we're on a trip and that could really help a kid um, just know what to expect and um, I, I think, and I say often, the most important part of that photo book is um, we have a wild card. So if something happens and the plans have to change and you've got a kid that is not um, very, is, is needing to work on their, uh, increasing their flexibility, they just don't have a lot of tolerance for flexibility right now, you can use the wild card and say, oh my goodness, you know, we're going to have to change plans. We got to use our wild card. And they take it from the book and put it over the plan. You know, you could do it with sticky notes. You could do it with, in a lot of different ways, but just giving, giving our kids some sense of control and predictability uh, when we're taking them out of their normal environments. And I'm also thinking about bedtimes too. What are some things that, you know, if you've got kids with sleep issues, what are ways that they can feel safe at bedtime, ways to promote predictability, um, maybe some things that you don't do at home that you are going to do when you're on, you know, when you're spending time with family, because, um, because they need that when, when they're out of their environment. That's great. That's great. Um, Mo and Tana, before we go to, to during 
any more before thoughts as we as we get ready to go? Well, it's funny when we and if we talk travel, if we talk like I always laugh um, at our car. We 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 end up going in two cars whenever we go because <laughs> um, we we try to anticipate and prepare for everything yeah. and. And, and we have bags of everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, is there a chance it could rain one day? Well, then what are all the things we need? Well, we need nine <laughs> raincoats and umbrella. <laughs> we take it and, 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 but again, how are we going to, you know, thinking through our children? How can we help them be successful mm-hmm. when they're out of the normal routine? Um, things are different. Um, I mean, Jesse has said, like, you know, we, we have a way that our family rolls here uh, at our house. But when we go somewhere else, some of our family members, maybe maybe it is a little more just free for all and open or maybe some it's a little more structured. And we've got to we've got to help our kids navigate both and take take with us things that we feel like will help them navigate those things. And, and yeah. that. You know, and um, yeah, again, just being proactive ahead of time. It, it is, it is, it's, it's going to help a lot. So, yeah. I think it it requires us sometimes to act outside of our natural personalities to prepare that way, and so just being mindful of like. I like spontaneity and fun, and would much rather just sort of roll with the punches and see where the day takes us, but that doesn't work as I'm the mother of the family that I'm the mother of, you know? And so just trying my hard, you know, my hardest beforehand proactively to like put my expectations in place as well. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that proactive planning, um, I think probably early on in parenting might've even made me a little bitter. I, I mean, I don't know. It feels like it was just mm-hmm. so long ago, but I do think like readjusting, what does it mean to like pack for a trip? <laughs> well, let me say I this. I don't even know, me, Mo. It's just so yeah, very know, much, it is. right? It's yeah, just it so is. much, but um, just trying to like not be just yeah. mean. Well, let me, well, let, <laughs> me, mean let, me let me say this too. Like, I f- and you know, and I'll just speak for myself, but like, like I found when we would travel to the in-laws or we would travel to my family, it was like, oh, we're going on vacation and I'm just going to be laid back and I'm going to show up and I'm going to sit on the couch and my kiddos are just going to go with the grandparents and do and go. And, you know, vacations are when Tana and I get to go away by ourselves, not like, like just... <laughs> just the expectation of like no we're not on vacation we're just remotely we're just parenting we're taking our trip with yeah. our kids and you you've got to mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know i don't walk in and just mm-hmm. kick back and, and <laughs> hey i'll see you in seven days like it's like no we're we're on we're on and and, and sometimes we're on more in fact mm-hmm. we probably are on more mm-hmm. than um than maybe even when we're at home so there's a huge difference in a vacation and parenting in a different place. Yeah. And well, I think that speaks to, though, the importance of, and we talked about this a little bit in our other holiday episode, but just preparing for that within ourselves. Like, what do you need to do to fill yourself up to go be with family? Um, you know, do you, or maybe it's something you could do while you're there. You go on a run or a walk every morning that, and you have negotiated that. 
uh, to have that time and it fills you up. Or maybe, you know, the day before you go get your hair done and or go get your nails done, just a little you time or whatever. But um, do you go get your nails done before you go be with family, J.D.? (laughs) (laughs) J.D. gets just realized that was might not be applicable to everyone, but you know what I mean? Like if you're preparing to do something like that, making sure that you're not, I know I have to, that I'm not going to turn into the, to the mother murder of I'm doing all these things to make all these people happy. And I'm not getting, you know, I, I think it's important for me to make, to think about what I need in the midst of that. Yeah. Again, I think as, as we're thinking about our kids and thinking about how to best prepare everyone for everyone, that does include us. Like if I know, you know, hey, guess what? There are more people in the in the house for these coming this this coming five days. But that does mean that if I communicate ahead of time, I can do something, Jesse, like, hey, I'm gonna go for a run or I'm gonna go ride the bike in the morning or I'm gonna go out and hike for a few minutes. Like um one of our families has they're out they're way out in the country. So that's tougher if you need something in the moment because it's a 30-minute drive just to the closest thing. But it's amazing in the morning because you can just say, hey, I need 10 minutes and I'm just going to go walk for a minute. And it is dead quiet around there. And that that 10 minutes while everybody is either still sleeping or just starting to get up and kind of roam around, it makes a world of difference for us. And so it, it is it's not just a nice thing to do. It's not just the, you know, wouldn't it be nice like the Beach Boys song plays? Like, no, this is a necessity that you need to figure out. Like where, where are the 10, 15 minutes or the 20 minutes that you can get that are going to help you center for the day and, and help prepare you to think about all you need to think about and take on. During the day. It might be you need 10 more minutes in bed and you just negotiate with your partner. Hey, Monday's your day, Tuesday's my day. When, what, and you just take 10 more minutes of sleep or, or whatever um, just to have by yourself to prepare. Um, so let, let's move to during during the trip you're, you're, or during the, whether if it's, you know, this year, not people are traveling, but during the trip or, uh, or during the, the time together, what are some of the things that we might need, we might encounter? Let's say that, hey, there's something we didn't prepare for. It pops up in that moment, whether it's a meltdown or whether it's a, uh, a, a panicky feeling from you or um, you're starting to notice some friction with uh, extended family. Um, what are some ways that we can start to act, act out um, in, in protection in those moments that would be helpful for us to know? I'm thinking of a couple of things. Um, one is, I think this can be helpful to bring your kids in on and uh, definitely your partner just to have a, a secret signal. Um, if you're feeling maxed out or you're getting real stressed out, you're about to lose it and teaching our kids that too. Like if, if you're starting to freeze or feeling upset or something's stressing you out in any kind of way, to have that little secret signal that you can give a parent or you can give your partner that's like, help rescue me right now. And uh, that means that you tap out for a minute and, or the, you know, that that parent's going to grab that kid and go on a quick walk to just get him out of the situation. Um, I think that can be really helpful. I mean, just being around people sometimes can, can do that. I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily the quality of the relationships. It's oh, just, sure. it can be a lot. So um, just teaching our kids how to um, kind of pace themselves through the day and be aware of how they're feeling, that can be helpful. Um, and then I'm thinking particularly, uh, and this is a little proactive, but 
you know, when you're around family, of course, this looks, might look a little different this year too, but there's always that expectation that you're given hugs and kisses. And if you've got a kid that's averse to that, I think it would be helpful to talk through that with the kid and say, listen, you do not have to hug anyone that you do not want to. So if so-and-so asks you for a hug or for a kiss, all you have to do is just say, could I give you a high five instead? Or, oh, I love high fives. Put them, put them there. And, and, uh, most people roll with that. If you feel like someone needs a heads up, then you can. And I don't think it has to be a big thing, but, um, that can be really helpful in the moment. Um, kind of having your plan of what to do when there's meltdowns, uh, and, and that can be really helpful. And I would say my last thing is just, um, I, I think it's important for the parents to be the buffer. I don't think our kids should ever feel um, the, I don't think they should feel the stress of expectations or disappointment um, or whatever in the moment that's happening in holidays. And so if you need to be the one to be the buffer of disappointment or expectations, then just being prepared to do that, which can be really hard. But um, I think it's, it's, it's just, we need to for our kids. You know, there's a Bruce Perry quote that um, he talks about that kids do well when they can. And I think that's the same for us. I mean, I just think that human beings do well when we can. And so in the moment, if any of us, if we ourselves, if we, one of Mo or I, if one of our children are quote unquote, not doing well, then there's a reason. And so in the moment, um, even though there's usually a lot coming at us and we, again, may be wishing that the gift opening was going a certain kind of way or that child would respond like super respectfully, just whatever is happening in that moment in those holiday stressors. And if one of our children is not doing well, there's a reason. And so for me, um, I think it's about making the best of assumptions of one another So when we are there, if things are not going well, however I would interpret well, to be really cognizantly compassionate and say there's probably a reason why. And so I would say in those moments when you're with family and there is all this external nuancey expectations, there's all these relational dynamics, maybe you guys are, maybe mom and dad or, you know, mom's just acting kind of different than she normally would. Like the kids are on high alert anyway. And so just keeping compassion at a high for whatever your kiddos might be going through or experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then up that nurture because there's all of this other stuff coming at them. And so I think in the moment, if it's a day or two or three days of together time, then um, I was thinking, JD, when you were talking about like even pulling away and going on those early morning walks, like as a larger family with kids multiple ages, then that means we're grabbing our older kids in those moments. So I may not be going on my walk by myself, but I might pull one of the older kids with me and just have that one-on-one time to do it in the moment touch base. Hey, yeah. is there anything, you know, how, how are you today? Or is there anything you need? I mean, we just do a lot of touching base. Would you agree with that? Like yeah. throughout the days yeah. that yeah. we're with family um, and then being flexible in the moment to change the plan. And so like rigid thinking is our worst enemy. 
And so trying to keep that flexible mindset of being really malleable Mm -hmm. with um, how we flow throughout the day. Um, no, that's good. And, yeah. I, and I'll say, we, we hear from so many families at, that, that we're working with at the Memphis Family Connection Center that, you know, once you begin to do connection parenting and you, you kind of are, are you're, you're, you're walking with your kids to this empowered to connect, you know, way of parenting and you can prep, you can prep families mm-hmm. and you can prep, you know, aunties and uncles and all the you know, I think when you step into these big family gatherings too, Mm -hmm. you and your partner, um, you know, there's also a resolve that you have to go into these Mm -hmm. with of like, this is who we are and this is what is best for my children. And they, you know, they, uh, let's just be honest. I mean, the thing that we hear often in regards to grandparents was like, man, I, I don't have to change. I've already raised kids how I'm going to raise them. And, you know, there's, they're kind of looking at you like, man, you've got, you know, three heads or whatever. And, you know, I think you've got to also go into these times just that you and your partner need to be on the same page. And, man, we're we're going to do what's best for our kids. And there's a resolve there of we're going to do what's best for kids. Even if we seem to be um, looked at differently or misunderstood or, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive home and I'm going to be with my kiddos. And um, I am, I am, I am, you know, Jesse said it, we're the buffer. We're the buffer for our kids and we'll take Mm -hmm. the hits and Mm -hmm. we'll be looked at weird, thought of weird, we'll be talking, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. We just kind of hear a lot of stories from a lot of things, but I'm, I'm willing to be misunderstood Mm -hmm. by those uh, around me for these six that I've been entrusted with mm-hmm. to say, man, I feel safe with, with my dad yeah. and my mom. And yeah. um, I'm going to. And what an opportunity to build trust for our kids to feel that we've got yeah. their backs, yeah. Yeah. that Absolutely. even in a different environment that our kids know we're still providing for your needs. We're not even at our house. We're at somebody else's house or we're, you know, we're doing different things than we normally do, but you are still going to get what you need and you can trust me to do that. That's important. Absolutely. And and I would say that it's easy for me to sit here and say this, right? But it's another when, you know, this, this, this could mean, you know, hard conversations um, Mm -hmm. that are being had with family Mm -hmm. and, um, but yes, absolutely. It is, it is a trust builder with your kiddos. Um, one of these hard conversations that um, is going to come up, and obviously 2020 has, has helped to stoke this fire again um, for a lot of us, but uh, for, for those of us who are parenting transracial families or who are um, going to visit um, or, or going to be spending time with family that can be hostile in that conversation, um, probably has a lot of us who are, are listening to this right now, or even, even on this call, um, stomach in knots. Um, and so, uh, it, why don't we talk for a moment about just some, uh, just some, some, like we said, not survival tactics, but ways that we can thrive, um, in these spaces. Um, so why don't, a ton, I'd love to ask you this question first as the, as the elder stateswoman here <laughs> in this conversation. Um, what are some ways that you've seen to be successful in, um, kind of holding that ground for your kids and your family in the in the transracial conversation. 
And I just, that's, that's I think JD just said, you're the old woman. I was about Come to on. say, I'm going to just take that elder <laughs> stateswoman. I'm running with that, JD. So thank you for that. That's, I'm going to get a little black during my death. A very intentional phrase. Don't that don't be that very up. wise. That was wise. Thank you. I will receive that from you today as elder stateswoman. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this one's hard for me because um, I think like it, it hits so many different places in my heart and spirit. And yeah. um, and and here's what I'll say: is I will say that your children are and should be your number one priority. Um, period. And so, again, as much as we want and wish that maybe different families saw things differently or um, were more nuanced or more cautious with their language or words or phrasing, um, we cannot change adults' behavior. And it is our job to provide and protect and create safe space for our children. And so if we are parenting children of color, and there is the hint that the extended family is unsafe, that's kind of game over for me. Um, That is a line in the sand, and that's that. And part of, I mean, forgive me for just speaking, you know, super directly, but when you decided to grow your family the way you decided to grow your family, which is to become a transracial family, then this is one of those moments where you walk that out. And you walk that all the way out to whatever it means you have to do, whatever hard conversations you have to have, whatever losses you have to walk through. Um, There there is a million ways you can try to not get there. Like you can try all the ways to not land at the line has to be drawn, but it's, it's possible there's going to have to be a line drawn Mm -hmm. and, um, your kids, again, they need to, they may not even know you're having to do it. It doesn't have to become something they even know. It could just be something you guys are doing. You're making decisions to protect them from family that, you know, says racial things or a racial slur or has a tone and tenor around a large gathering that is harmful and um, isn't safe. And and you know, like, come on, y'all, we know, like, we know the family that's safe and we know the family that's not safe. And yeah. we made, Mo and I made a decision when we brought children into this family nuclear and this family extended that were not Caucasian, that that meant some things. And yeah. um, we have to walk it out. Well, and we made that decision not just about family. I mean, as we processed 20 some odd years ago um, that we were going to have a diverse family, we also knew what that meant of even places we were willing to, to live and where I would be open to accepting a job. And um, I mean, if I can just be frank, we said we will probably live in bigger cities um, from here on out because, and, you know, and I know that's being broad sweeping, but I'm just the experience of mm-hmm. around race in in certain parts of the country are, are just unique and different. And so it was, again, talking about being proactive. If you're going to step in, mm-hmm. you've got to step in. And our kids, they feel it from the time they are very young. Um, children are so intuitive. Like before they have words, they are feeling the things around them. And there is a particular place that we would go on family vacations. And 
went there, you know, every couple of years. And it wasn't until one of our kids was older that they said, you know, I really, well, actually there's two different places and I don't even have to say where they are, but one is more rural and one is more city, so more diverse. And this particular kiddo made um, an assessment that they felt safer at one than the other. And we had been traveling to both from the time they were really young. And when they were starting to, you know, wake up and notice more things, they were like, this is why I like blank place better than blank place because blank place has, you know, more diversity and the other place doesn't. And I don't feel so safe over there. That was their words, not ours. And so um, this is the case with, and, and sadly, this is often the case with our families. But again, Mark and I made the decision to put children in a place and space where they might often be the minority at the, at, in that environment, in that room. So it is not our children's responsibility. It is our responsibility as their parents to put them in places, and obviously I'm super passionate about it, in places and spaces that are emotionally <laughs> safe for them. I mean, that can be said about cities, that can be said about families, that can be said about the schools they're in, that can right. be the church you attend, like... Social circles, Absolutely, the whole gamut. Um, it just hits closer to home when it's the Thanksgiving table yeah. or the kitchen, I mean, or the Christmas holiday. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's whenever it starts to become, um, you know, we just, we don't want to have to do that work. It's hard. It's just hard work and it's hard work. It's and it hurts. Well, it's, Mo, you said it. It's not the kid's responsibility. And you've got you. You're hearing my three year old in here right now. Um, it's not the kid's responsibility. It's not the extended family's responsibility to intuitively know without having been talked to about it, what to do. So some extended family will know and they will proactively read the books. They will make the space. They will have the conversations. They'll do the research. They'll do, like Dr. McKinney said, they'll use Google as their friend and they will find what they need to find. There are some family though that need to be talked to. They need to have the conversation ahead of time. And and that line does need to be proactively drawn in the sand by you because this is not a matter of a, a food that I didn't like, or uh, there was a sensory element that we didn't have in place. There's this one element of this one day was off. If an area becomes unsafe because of ethnicity and culture, then it's unsafe for the whole family also. Because one thing that I was uh, really struck by when Rhonda was on talking with us is the effects of uh, growing up in a transracial family on, on biological siblings um, and on uh, biological kids in the family. <laughs> right, Micah. So, one of the things that, you know, she talked about was like, she said, my brother is a way more fierce advocate and, and sometimes notices things more than I do because he was there for me and on the front lines with me fighting. Uh, and so I think those, those conversations have to be remembered. Um, and that, that's why I would say, if you're listening to this and if you are, um, you know, parenting transitional family and you did not listen to those, those last uh, four or five episodes we had on uh, transitional adoption, please go back and do that. Um, you know, you're not seeing this as on a podcast form. You can't see behind me, but Rhonda's book, um, that her latest book that she published um, on In Their Voices um, and a guide to transsexual adoption is fantastic for that purpose. It'd be a great uh, communicated, not passive aggressive, non-communicated, but a communicated Christmas gift to your family to get that book and encourage them to read it. Don't passively aggressive let it show up and be like, well, I figured you needed the help. It looks like you do. <laughs> no, tell, talk to them graciously about it and buy it for them. But um, 
you know, this, and, and we could, we could spend another hour talking about this, um, to a conversation. So I will cut myself off and then Jesse, uh, would love to hear your thoughts. I'm just thinking, you know, this can be really hard to discuss with our families because let's say that you don't feel unsafe around your family. You don't feel like your children are unsafe. I, I think it's hard to talk about race with our families when our families are all one race, except for our adopted children or our foster children, because um, so many people have this mindset of thinking that people are racist or not racist. And most people think they are not racist. Right. But I, I've been learning recently um, through Ibram Kendi's works and, and various others that actions are racist or not racist. Yep. And so it's a little more complicated than just a person being safe or not safe. And so if you're traveling, I mean, if you're with family for the holiday and an action is racist, um, I think I think a couple of things. First of all, again, you are the buffer for your children. So I'm not going to entertain questions about race from family members in front of my child in the same way that I wouldn't do it at the grocery store. I mean, that's just not the time or place for for that conversation. Um, I'll talk about that on the phone with you, or I'll talk about that over coffee with you if you want to go get coffee. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it while I'm doing my child's hair or while I'm, you know, while I'm having family time in front of my child with my child. Um, and I just think that that's just something important to remember. Um, but I also think this can be a really, I guess a really healthy formative thing for families that truly want to learn more. I mean, so many people this past summer, you heard saying, I want to do better. I want to know, to know more. And if you have family members that have been saying that, um, I just think of Brene Brown's quote, uh, I think it's a chapter title, actually, people are hard to hate up close, lean in. And when you have a family member of a different race, whether by choice or because someone else brought that member into your family, you get the opportunity to learn more. And um, so I think part of that opens up the opportunity to talk about um, actions that are racist or are uh, anti-racist with family members when it is just adults. And so I wouldn't be afraid of leaning into that um, or if a family member asks a question to be able to say, you know what, that's, I'd love to talk about that with you. Can I call you on the phone next week? Or um, can we talk about it after bedtime today? And um, not just shutting them down and saying that's racist because um, people, people do as well as they can. Right. And so, and they need to learn. Well, last thing, I think this goes without saying, and none of us have insinuated this, but as a reminder, and, you know, a lot of um, what this summer has brought up is people saying they want to learn and then what tends to happen if there's a kid of a different ethnicity in the, in the, in the family is now, hey, kid, talk to me about what it, what it feels like being black right now or talk to what it feels like being a minority right now or having brown skin or, or being um, from a different country. Like, so just as a reminder, your kids are not the teachers of the family uh, race ethic, right? Like we're not looking to our seven or eight year olds to instruct a 35 year old what they can learn 
from 10 minutes on Google. So I would say um, part of our goal in this podcast has been um, to provide resources that people can come and listen to um, for extended family, for that very purpose. And again, I'd point back to Dr. McKinney's episode, um, Brittany Bryson talking about uh, racial trauma, um, hearing Rhonda wrote a story of being an adult optie, what it felt like in family growing up. Um, So to Ramya's story, Ramya Gunaizen's story of, 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 um, going to weddings and, and, you know, being mistaken as a family friend. So all those, all the things that we've done through the podcast have been um, an attempt to provide resources for those conversations. So just a reminder for you as a parent and for you as extended family who might be listening to this, um, you're not looking to the kids to teach you in that moment. Um, So maybe a helpful thing might be to go with extended family and go with other people places so that they might be able to hear, um, hopefully not hear comments, but notice how much you're noticed in a space um, or to notice the different looks that come your way, whatever. Um, so, uh, and I think it's important to remember too, that our kids, like Tana was mentioning this, that, um, our kids notice like our, it's not, you know, especially once they reach a certain age, I've had a kid in my family say, um, Oh, it's kind of weird. I'm the only person with the skin color at the whole family reunion. And if you think about the discomfort of realizing that and the extended times that we spend in in spaces like that, I, I think that also goes into our planning for holidays. What are what are times and spaces and places that we can get away from from a place where maybe that child feels like the only person that looks like them and go into a space? Um, where it might be a little more diverse and that it is a, a feeling, a, a greater feeling of um, belonging and safety. I mean, it's just something to keep in mind as, as we make plans. No, I'll, I'll second that. I mean, again, Mo and Tony all mentioned having time in rural spaces and city spaces. And so, um, you know, I'll say we, you know, we will try to, if we're going to be in a more rural space, part of our trip is strategically making sure that we are going to the more diverse spaces in the city as a regular, and we're not communicating that to the kids. Like We're not, we're not communicating what that means, but we're, we're going to attempt to make sure that part of the regular rhythms of the trip are that the kids are seeing people who look like them as part of the trip, as part of the experience. It's not a big deal. We're not making anything out. We're not like, look, here we are. We're not doing that. Like what we need to make sure, because they do know this, we need to make sure that we are being inclusive. We are putting our family in positions to win and and creating spaces where um, there's, again, the felt safety element is what you're going for. Um, and uh, yeah, so Tana. One, 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 little, yeah. one, one little thing you just said, JD, that made me think of this. One time I was I had the, um, the opportunity to facilitate a panel on um, transracial adoption. And one of the panelists, it's like set a little line that's like stuck with me and has been like so helpful as we've made decisions. And um, I may not say it quite as concisely, but she said, when you are doing things that have to do with your children's culture, they don't need to be field trips. They just need to be part of your family's rhythm. And so, for example, like, you know, you're not like we have children, um, we have children from South Korea and China. And when we eat Chinese, just silly example, but when we eat Chinese food, it's not a field trip. Like we eat Chinese food all the time. Right. It's part of our family rhythm. Like, so thinking about the holidays and making decisions about including your child, your child's culture and 
um, diversity and, you know, anything that would be reflective of that holiday or making decisions about what you do not do because it wouldn't be the safest space. Like those things need to be part of the family's rhythm, not a field trip. And I, I don't think either one of y'all were saying that, but sure. um, right. just in thinking about that family dynamic, being really careful to not um, highlight your child's culture in a way that makes them feel othered. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Or feel trippy. Yeah. Like we don't want to other our kids. I remember one time there was a sweet couple that was going through um, one of our trainings and it got onto the topic of extended family. And, you know, this is not uncommon. They shared a very common thing, which is we are parenting so differently than we were parented and we are parenting so differently than anybody else in our family parents. And, you know, our parents think we're doing it all wrong because the kid's behavior is, you know, not getting better. And, you know, we just had this like brainstorming moment of like how they could, you know, to the very best of their ability, help their parents who they deeply loved and loved them understand why they were doing what they were doing. And so, you know, I think this again goes a little bit to that proactive conversation of like, hey, I know that we may be making some decisions that are differently than you would make. And here are some reasons why. And even if you're young and you're parenting, maybe this is your first kiddo or two and you think they've parented for so many years beyond you. You know, I was like, honey, just tell them that you're reading the experts, that you're reading the books, that you listen to the scientists, that you have, it's kind of what most said, like tell them you have a plan and that you are doing this on purpose. Because I do think sometimes they think that, you know, there can be all kinds of misunderstandings. Like, oh, they can make assumptions about why you're doing what you're doing. But if you can just communicate to them, I know you may not understand what we're doing, but we are doing it for a reason. Can you trust us? And even ask the people in your family if they can trust that you have a plan and a reason for parenting the way that you're parenting. And I think that may actually go a little far, that it's on purpose and with with the plan. Um, I know we need to talk and we want to talk for a few minutes about what happens um, after, but I think this might be an interesting moment. Like what if things aren't going well or you perceive that you shouldn't be with family? Like, you know, what, what if family isn't safe? How do you make those decisions? I mean, I think it would be interesting for us to talk about that for a few minutes because I do think, you know, sometimes this happens for families that are just parenting biologically. This does happen sometimes for families that are parenting through adoption or foster care. This sometimes does happen for families who are parenting transracially. Like, what does it mean to find yourself in a situation where your extended family isn't emotionally safe for any number of reasons for you and your family? And how do you make those decisions to sort of not go spend time with them for the holidays? I don't know. Do y'all have thoughts about that? I'd be curious y'all's thinking. I'm just thinking um, it's important for me to remember that I can do all the quote unquote right things. I I know so many of us just want it to be this formula. Like I had the conversation. So what went wrong? Or, um, you know, I did this, this, or this, or I brought all the things and we took three cars, even one more than the Ottingers, you know? <laughs> um, the Ottingers had our we, two cars at a U-Haul and still <laughs> we'll fell off the bus. Yeah. We, we want to be able to, to say we did all the right things, but we cannot 
just like our kids, we cannot control other people. And so um, I just think that's important to give ourselves um, nurture and grace the same way we would want to give our kids. And um, to me, that goes back to just looking at things honestly. Um, What do you get and give from these relationships and interactions and this time that you're spending? And do you want to spend your time getting and giving in that way? Is there a different way that you could do that, that serves both parties better? Um, And I think those, again, like Mo was saying, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to really think it through and live it. Um, But how... I don't know. I think it's worth thinking about what is healthful for our family and uh, for what we physically need, for what we emotionally need and how, what do we want this to look like? Um, It can be really, it can be really hard to walk that out. And I think that it's really hard not for it to be taken personally. I mean, even if you're talking about going or staying, like Mo was saying, it's, it's hard not for um, the different choices that you make to be taken personally, because sometimes people feel like it's a reflection on what they did or who they are. And uh, we can't control that. I mean, we can kind of try and minimize it in the way that we share lovingly uh, in the way that we show them, we try and value what they have done and the choices they have made if we can. But um Mm-hmm. I think, you know, our ultimately families want the best for each other and in a, in a positive situation. And, um, and so what is, what is the way to bless your family the most, both your, your family at home and, and your extended family? Yeah, I think one, these decisions never get made apart from lots of communication, right? So um, we're we're not advocating for like, I don't think they're safe. We're not going, you know, it's a, like, it needs to be a conversation that is had where you are attempting to create and maintain safe spaces wherever you're going to be. And only when you cannot, to the best of your ability, ensure those safe spaces will be intact, do you begin to have the conversation about, do we not, do we not go, do we not um, do we leave now? Whatever. Um, and and the uh, the secondary part of that conversation is that um, like we've we've all separately mentioned it today. You are the one who is entrusted with your kids and nobody else. And so we can't expect for other people to make those decisions for us. And sometimes we get in a situation where it'd be easier for someone to ask us to leave because they don't feel comfortable, rather than us having to take the initiative to to go. Um, I, I, I mean, we've not been in a situation personally, um, with our family. We're really lucky to have two great families that, um, are really supportive. Um, it, it's not been without a lot of conversations and, and legwork we've done to, to maintain that. But there are times when we have plenty of friends that, that there's spaces that aren't safe and they had to decide that, um, set what a safe parameter would be when that couldn't be provided or, or that couldn't be maintained. There was the decision with, to withdraw and to not go to that space. And, ultimately what's going to be remembered in the long haul as kids grow and, and get older and, and go into adulthood and learn is that, Hey, my job as a parent is to, is to maintain my safety, to maintain the, the most predictable safest environment for me to grow in. And my parents did that for me. So I want to do that for my kids going forward. And so we're trying to establish that. Um, and 
uh, you know, also the, the worst case scenario here, what we do, never want to do is make those decisions too late, right? And so we're, we're trying to figure out how do we make this the conversation uh, happen at the right time to where we can, you know, make the decision on the front end of um, of hurt and of trauma as opposed to the the reactionary back end of it. Um, so, Tana, any you know, thoughts on that subject before we move on? No, I, I think I would just mm-hmm. echo what you guys said there. Um, Mo and I have talked about this an awful, awful lot about how to make decisions that, I mean, look, as parents, there's always going to be some level of regret. I mean, that's just parenting. I think the parent, I think the word, the synonym for parenting is regret. I mean, there just is a level of regret. We're going to make mistakes as we work through this. And yeah. so, yeah. You know, just again, being like really gracious with yourself of even looking back at something and being like, oh man, I've intuited that one about three years too late or something. You know, I mean, we just, we can't, we can't always figure it all out in the moment. I mean, there's just a mix of emotions and thoughts and fears and feelings and, and, you know, a, a good part of this relational stuff and in families in general, you know, does come with the ability to let yourself grieve some things. And so, you know, I would echo just the self-compassion, um, the partnership compassion that comes with realizing that we, again, are just all doing the best that we can, um, and assuming the best. So I loved what Jesse said about thinking about that extended family as, um, doing the best they can, and if that, that means that, you know, maybe that's all that you can do right now and that you can't go yet, but that doesn't mean never. And so if you're having to set a boundary with the family for any kind of reason right now, you feel, I mean, grieve that out, feel that, be present in where that, what that means for now. But I would say don't lose hope for what still could be. And so it's wow. never too late to do connected relationships, extended family or your children or one another. Like it's just never too late to start operating that way with each other. And so don't give up even on extended family. Um, so work towards repair, but not at the expense of your children, I think is really what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. Like not at the expense of your kids. So if the other grownups can't, participate with you in that repair and can't participate with you in that connected way and don't respect the boundaries that you need for your children. You don't keep pursuing the grownups at the expense of your children. That is who you are responsible for. You know, that those are the ones that you are held in account to, um, not the other grownups. And so I love that most said misunderstood. I mean, that's probably one of my personal biggest struggles is being misunderstood. And you just, as a parent, that's also synonymous with parenting. You're going to be misunderstood. And you don't always have to explain yourself as much as I want to be understood. You know, it's much more important for our children to feel safe Mm -hmm. in our care. They need to know mom and dad have us. You know, we've got you. Like they need to know that like in their bones, like the deepest part of their visceral being needs to know that at the end of the day, I've got you. And holidays are high stakes. You know, it's, holidays are high stakes times. <laughs> so if we need to be working on our relationships, do we want to do, we, I don't know, maybe holidays aren't the time when you want to do that. And definitely not at the expense of your, of your kids. So I think that's an interesting thought, Jitsi. That goes back to that, like, if we don't do it now, we can't do it at all. Well, you could spend 
some time with your family in January or nothing's going on in January. Right. Do it in January. Yeah. <laughs> Weather's great in April. Yeah. The, I, I think the thinking about as we um as we talk about after these these gatherings, these times together, um, you know, one of the things that's been great for us, uh, and and I'll explain this first the most lighthearted way. Um, one of I, I just am not a great thinker. I don't think about things great all the time. <laughs> like I'm not always the the best uh, follow through or follow you know follow behind thinker. And so uh, just having conversations with our with our kids after trips to figure out for them, hey, what was what was the most fun part of this trip for you, and and, and what did you enjoy the most about our time together? It has produced some of the some of the most surprising answers to me. It's, I mean, some of the things that I just were throwaway experiences for me that I thought nothing of uh, were world changers for our kids. And so now every time we go back to X, Y, or Z place, that's on the docket, you know, like some, some hole in the wall place that was not that good, that nothing was really remarkable. Well, the peanuts that got to eat before the meal were great. Or, oh, this place is the best biscuits ever. And so it's, it might be a, a complete something you would have never thought about again, but now that you know it's a high point, it begins to be another draw to these seasons where, you know, oh, we don't like all being in the same space. And sometimes it can be a big draw emotionally or a big draw energy-wise. But if you know you've got, you know, two or three things you're going to do while you're there next time that they can all look forward to, Jesse, you talk about the photo book and, and having those, those different uh, things set out for each day, you know, as you have repeated experiences, you start to get to say, Hey, let's take a picture from last time we were there and let's put it up for, you know, for this thing, this time that we're going to go. We have a a restaurant in, uh, in North Carolina, we always go to with my my family. It's, I mean, it's just a breakfast place. It's not a super big deal. And and it's, it is like an event now for our family. Like that we, with this morning is going to be our biscuit head morning (laughs) that we go get biscuits there. Um, And so that's been a thing that, that, that we've set in in motion to do. Um, in processing these processing these family trips afterward, um, any other th- any other thoughts on um, you know how to do that well and how to make sure that um, that we're successful in helping our kids process trips? I'm just thinking about um, as you process what kids' favorites were, what their uh, maybe some things that they didn't like um, or that hurt their feelings or that made them feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, it it can be hard for kids to process things depending on their age. And so what if you, you know, you might need to do it in, in that kind of way where you share the roses and thorns or you share mad, sad, glad, scared. We used to play that game at the dinner table every night. Um, so maybe you play that in the car on the way home. When's the time when you felt mad this week? When's the time when you felt sad? When's the time when you felt glad? Um, or maybe, uh, maybe it's like tell three truths and a lie. Um, and you know, what, what did you do, you know, and have them all be things you liked about the trip and the lie can be the thing they didn't like about the trip or, you know, and then taking those things and, um, and then using it to make the future better. So, um, if there were certain things that made them feel uncomfortable or they, uh, certain, you know, whatever it was, uh, taking that and, and not forgetting it, but remembering it for next year, thinking to yourself, okay, next time that rolls around, you know, my kid didn't like the itchy clothes and that family photo. And so next year 
I'm going to ask what color we're, we- we're wearing way in advance, and I'm going to buy tagless clothes <laughs> for the family photo or whatever it is. Right. So, um, and thinking through those things on yourself, when did you feel the happiest? When did you feel the most stressed out? And what could you do differently next year as a result too? So sort of to piggyback on what Jesse was just saying, something that popped in mind when you were talking about like the roses and thorns and the happy, mad, sad, glad, like sometimes our, you know, our kids are pretty brutally honest. If the, if if they, if there's enough trust for them to be really honest with what they think within the family, then they may say things and our natural reaction might be to defend ourselves or to defend extended family. Like if they share something about, well, you know, this made me feel mad or I didn't like when such and such happened. Like I think trying to be present with what they share and with empathy and meet their emotion and not sort of make excuses for um, why that happened. I mean, that's just my natural tendency. I have to fight that back. So if they say, well, when, you know, I don't know, auntie so-and-so said such and such, it made me feel such and such to say, you know, tell me more about that. Or I'm so sorry that made you feel that way. Thank you for sharing me. I would love to know more about that moment. Like just to explore those times with them rather than defend auntie for why auntie may or may not have done. There's don't, there's, that's not really helpful for the kid. So like just help them explore uh, well, how, how did you respond? Did that help you? Just depending on their age, meet them mm-hmm. with the emotion. Um, mm-hmm. When you are processing those family times with the, the kids and the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had... Well, I was going to say too, like, JD, you know, you said, hey, we're going to process with our kids coming back. But also mm-hmm. there, there may need to be calls back to the extended family to process the time as well. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Hey, this is you know, this is that meltdown that happened and here's what was going on. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know the plan was to do this, but we ended up, you know, veering right and doing this instead. And and this mm-hmm. is, this is kind of why and, and what was going on or, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, again, I mean, it kind of a, we've said it multiple times, communication, communication, mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to, when we can, um, you know, we're, we're trying to help our kids. We're, we're processing with them, but we also need to process with extended family. And, mm-hmm. and, and for some, you know, they're going to have a growth mindset and, and mm-hmm. they want to grow. And sometimes they, they may not want to grow. And, yeah. but all we can do is communicate and, and trust that if anything, they, 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 they may want to go on that journey with us, or mm-hmm. if they disagree with us, maybe they'll at least respect us as parents saying, well, at least they've got a plan. I may not agree with it. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I don't know, but at least I'm, we're going to do what we feel like we need to do. We're going to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think in almost it, in the majority of situations that are going to come up like this, you know, there are going to be the minority situations, the few situations where we do have to draw hard lines, make really hard decisions, have hard conversations. In in most of these conversations, most of these kind of post-processing times, it's going to be so helpful for family to go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I felt so terrible. I didn't know that red clothes triggered them, or I didn't know that they Corn, the texture of cornbread, you know, sets them off. Or I didn't, I, I had no idea that smell, you know, they don't like or, um, or that, you know, the fireworks show that me and the uncles always put on was, was too much. 
next time I'm going to prepare them differently or next time. And so that's, that's been our experience. I think as long as we'll communicate well, uh, it does help to set up the next trip. And so we, you know, whereas, uh, you know, some of our first trips and, and first time parents are just, I'll just, I'll grieve with you for a moment. Those first trips are so hard. <laughs> They're so <laughs> impossibly hard because you just, you don't, you're not in your grooves yet. You're not even totally sure what the best things are uh, yet. And then you're, you're also, you know, all families want to help and sometimes they're helpful and sometimes, sometimes they're just not helpful. And so uh, I think that, you know, one of the big wins for us, Mo, we, we talked about this about, you know, just sharing that you have a plan and, and you could use the support. And I remember a couple of years in, we were leaving uh, a Thanksgiving gathering and it had been particularly stressful for, for us. I mean, we had uh, two very small children and we had traveled 14 hours, something like that. And I remember my dad coming to the car as we were leaving and we were going to leave. We had the, I had the brilliant idea. It's easier to travel through the night while they're sleeping, right? So I was going to leave Thanksgiving at 8 o'clock p.m. and drive the 14 hours back and get back at 10 a.m. because I'd be way smarter and I don't do that anymore. But... Uh, my dad came out to the car and just said, Hey, I just want to tell you, y'all are doing a great job with the kids. You're doing so good. This is, this is, it's just been awesome. And that, that probably gave me seven more Thanksgivings of fuel, you know, like to, like, I know I'm ready to take on whatever because what we're doing is working. And so, uh, and so sticking with it, sticking to your, sticking to your plans and sticking to your, what's working for you the best and what you need is the, is the best case scenario here. So, um, any other too, yeah, Jessica. There are there are so many grandparents and aunts and uncles out there, you know, all kinds of extended family that are truly, I mean, they're listening to this podcast and they want to do right by their families. Oh. They maybe they don't know all the the ways that their kids or their sisters or brothers are parenting, or maybe they don't understand it quite yet, but they want to. And so I just want to I just want to say that um I think the best thing you can do is to support your kids or your sister or brother, whoever it is, and the choices and uh, that they're making and the autonomy that they have as a nuclear family. Um, that, like JD is saying, is so much gas in the tank. It's so much encouragement because it it is it is hard to parent, and that's something that we could all agree on. Yeah. And um, not taking things personally as a reflection on you, but as a desire to do right by our own kids, which we probably learned from you, right? And so um, anyways, thank y'all just to all the extended family members that are doing that and are listening and, and growing. I think that's so valuable in so many of our lives. Well, y'all, thank you so much for, for joining us today to talk about this. Uh, this has been a longer episode. Um, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, if you are, are going to need um, to split this into two episodes just for your own sanity as you're going throughout your week and, um, and you need a little bit more content on your way uh, to your, on, on your holiday travels or wherever you're going or whatever you're doing, um, you can feel free to split this into two episodes to listen to it that way. But uh, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break um, through the next couple of weeks. We'll be returning in January with uh, with new content. And so uh, for Jesse Ferris, for Tana and Mo Ottinger, for everybody at ATC, uh, I'm J.D. Wilson, and this has been the Empowered to Connect podcast. We will talk to you next year.